I'm Brittany Hardin-Tangway, a manager with KPMG, and I am fascinated by the practice of transfer pricing and its impact on the global market. Join me each episode as I explore the transfer pricing world with specialists who will explain the ins and outs of this niche practice where tax meets economics. Thus far on our journey through the world of transfer pricing, we've learned about what transfer pricing is, the setting of prices on transactions between related parties, the importance of demonstrating that these transfer prices are arm's length, that is, are the prices paid consistent with what unrelated parties would be willing to pay, and ultimately, why this matters to tax authorities. We've discussed that the tax authorities may question whether or not the prices were adjusted to reduce the total taxable income to be collected. These concepts build on each other, so if you're interested in taking a deeper dive, listen to some of our earlier episodes. While there are different reports and forms that together compose the world of transfer pricing documentation, the most prolific is local documentation. That is to say, there's a single master file, a single country-by-country report, but potentially tens, twenties, hundreds of local documentation reports. That is, distinct transfer pricing reports prepared for each country describing the relevant intercompany transactions that occurred within their jurisdiction and concluding on the arm's length nature of those transactions. Although the intention of these local documentation transfer pricing reports are generally the same, the requirements and execution for each country may vary. Enter the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD, and the Group of 20, G20, and their plan for preventing base erosion and profit shifting, BEPS, aimed at setting standard guidelines for consistency and to reduce the burden of preparation by taxpayers. In a classic tale of tension between autonomy and harmony, the OECD guidelines outline specific requirements for information to be included in what is now referred to as a local file, which is what we'll be exploring in this episode with my fellow travelers from KPMG's transfer pricing practice, Scott Nesberg, a principal based in Minneapolis. Hello, thanks for having me. And Anne Galano, Managing Director out of Chicago. Hi, Brittany, glad to be here. Before we get tripped up on terminology, What distinguishes an OECD local file from other local documentation? They're very similar, Brittany, even though a local file is technically a little bit different than a local documentation report. They're similar in the sense that the goal of both documents is to document the arms-like nature of the intercompany transactions of a given entity for a given taxable year. But they are different in the sense that a local file has a specific list of content that was developed by the OECD as part of their BEPS, which many countries around the world have adopted into their local transfer pricing documentation requirements. However, not all countries have done that. For example, in the U.S., we still have the U.S. transfer pricing documentation rules under 6662, which isn't exactly the same as the local file content, although very similar in Even if you were to prepare a local file under the OECD guidance for the U.S. transfer pricing report, it would generally cover all of the necessary 10 principal documents. Scott gave a good example of the U.S. Another example is Australia, where they have adopted a local file form, but it serves a different purpose than the OECD local file. So it can definitely be a challenge to navigate the rules across the countries. I'm glad you brought up the Australia local file as another example, because we're talking about the OECD local file today, and most of the world will refer to a report as an OECD local file, when in fact, Australia's local file is really just a form. So I think getting caught up on terminology can be really confusing, especially for people who aren't working in this day to day. Yeah, absolutely. 
if you provide an OEC local file for that jurisdiction, it may or may not already cover all of the elements that are required by the local jurisdiction for their local documentation transfer pricing rules. Brittany, that's a good point. What are some featured requirements that are unique to the OECD local file? The key additional pieces of information that need to be included are information around advanced pricing agreements and tax rulings that may be relevant to the intercompany transactions being documented, a discussion of the key competitors of the local entity that you're preparing the report for, details around the management structure of the local entity and who they report to within the organization, and reconciliation of segmented financial data to consolidated financials. And many of those things are pieces of information that ultimately probably would have been provided to the tax authority if the tax authority conducted a review of the transfer pricing. Now we're kind of more just proactively needing to put that information in the local file. Those are some of the key differences. Advanced pricing agreements, abbreviated as APAs. Tell us about that. The reason why disclosing that is relevant, right? If it was a bilateral APA where the tax authorities on both sides of the transaction have agreed, there probably wouldn't be a need to disclose that because you already have advanced agreement. Where it's relevant is when you have unilateral APAs. So if you were documenting a transaction between the U.S. and Germany for German purposes, and on the U.S. side of the transaction, you've already reached unilateral agreement with the IRS on how to price that transaction. That's information that the German tax authorities would definitely want to know. So it's the importance of disclosing that type of information. And what else should taxpayers keep in mind when it comes to the local file requirements? This new information that's required, it takes more time for taxpayers to track down when layering this into your reports. So it's important to be mindful of how does this information tie back to what I say about my tested transactions. So in the example of you now have to include a management structure, does what you present in the management structure tie back to how you describe the responsibilities and the control of risk and the function asset and risk overview? You could really get caught up in going through a lot of detail. And when we think about one of the intentions of the OECD was to try to help create some more standardization and to reduce the burden on the taxpayer, in some ways, it doesn't always feel like that. <laughs> You're doing more of the pre-audit work so as to prevent the audit in the long run. But figuring out that level of detail, how do you guys think about deciding how deep to go? Yeah, I think there is a balance Brittany, in terms of how much upfront work you have to do. Obviously, these are very detailed requirements. The good news is there are various sections of the local file that can be more standardized. So you'll have a consistent description from one local file to the next. For these other sections that are more unique, it is about striking that balance where including enough to meet the local requirements, but maybe not going overboard and putting absolutely everything in there to the last detail. I think it's an important point, Anne, and really being deliberate in what goes in there and asking yourself, is this information that I'm putting in the local file even relevant to determining whether or not the intercompany transaction is arm's length? And if it's not relevant, there's no need for it to be in there. And there's no expectation that the tax lawyer would even want to know that information. If you're documenting a routine service transaction, a 20-page write-up on the industry probably isn't relevant versus if you're analyzing a complex profit split transaction where the key value drivers in the industry are very important to the analysis, then a very thorough discussion of the industry may entirely be relevant. So not every local file needs to be 100 pages long. You can meet the requirements and, and get good protection by just putting in there what's absolutely necessary, which may be a lot less. Great point, Scott. Thus far, we've talked about the purpose, some of the contents, the breadth, and even the depth of local documentation. Now, what about the timing? 
when reports are due. It's a key question that often comes up when companies are considering where to prepare documentation. When is the due date? When do I have to hand these over? And again, you see a range across countries. Some countries, you have to file your reports with a tax return. Example of this is Denmark, where they passed legislation requiring submission of your transfer pricing local file with a tax return. Whereas in other cases, the report is recommended to be prepared contemporaneously with a tax return, but doesn't have to be filed. Or in other countries, it's simply due upon request. So when we think about the role of local files and the TP life cycle, it's always after the fact. We're reviewing what has been done over the past fiscal year or the past few fiscal years, if you're looking back even further in time. But like you said, Anne, with the increase of contemporaneous documentation being required and needing to be prepared on a timely and annual basis... So beyond just being descriptive and recognizing what has been done, are there any other benefits to the local file? To put it another way, there is an effort required to produce these reports. And if a company thinks that they have a low risk of a tax authority showing up in many of their countries, why really bother? I think most taxpayers don't like preparing local files. It's a (laughs) compliance exercise. I don't blame taxpayers who think it's a waste of time and resources. I'm preparing all these local files and half of them or most of them never even get looked at by the tax authorities. And then when they do look at them, I very rarely face any transfer pricing adjustment. So why am I doing this anyways? It's a valid question, but the reason to do it right is to actually have that if you're not facing audits and you're not getting scrutinized on your transfer pricing. And despite whether or not tax authorities are actually reviewing your local files and really investigating the arm's length nature of your transfer prices or challenging you on them, one benefit of going through the process of preparing these local files is it really forces you to make sure that your transfer prices across your various entities are arm's length. Because if you don't go through the process of analyzing and documenting the transactions, you may never realize that you have transactions that aren't being priced at arm's length and then creating exposure for your company. So there are a lot of benefits of just going through the process and preparing the reports. And if you don't do it and five years down the road, a tax authority asks you for the report from five years ago, I can tell you it's very challenging challenging to try to go back in time and prepare something from five years ago because no one remembers the facts. The data is hard to get at. The people that were responsible for the transfer pricing maybe are no longer at the company. And so then it even ends up taking more time and costing more resources. (laughs) It really is like going to the doctor and you got to get your physical every year. It's not fun, but (laughs) you don't want it to go five years and then be like, oh, wow, I wish I would have stopped doing that or should have started doing this. (laughs) And depending on the local country rules, it can provide other benefits, such as protection from penalties or shifting the burden of proof to the tax authority. So other key considerations like that are important when you're considering where to prepare documentation. And we do also see that the local financial auditors are requesting copies of the documentation as part of their review and sign off. So we're seeing the requests come up more frequently. The local requirements, whether a report needs to be submitted contemporaneously or if it's merely suggested to be prepared by a certain date, makes a huge factor as to how you're going to prioritize that preparation. And sometimes those are moving targets because while the OECD guidelines are guidelines, the jurisdictions ultimately have the say in how much they adopt and in the manner in which they adopt them. So paying attention to that is why you need people like us. 
So kind of step back and reflect on this, right? It's clear that preparing local files are important for many reasons, as we discussed. But at the same time, the rules are getting more complex. More countries are adopting local file requirements or changing their requirements in terms of whether you have to proactively submit reports or just keep them on the shelf until they're asked for. And so it can quickly get out of hand trying to satisfy all these requirements globally, especially for a large multinational. So it really is prudent to take the time to make sure you develop a strategy for meeting these requirements that is as efficient as possible. So it's not costing undue resources, but while also managing the risk and the requirements faced by the company. And is there anything else taxpayers should keep in mind? So one other point to consider when you're preparing your local file is thinking about it in the context of the other deliverables required under the OECD guidelines. So the information that you're presenting in the local file, does that tie to how you classify the company on your country by country report? Are the value drivers that maybe you touched on in the local file consistent with what was discussed in the master file? So really thinking about the local file, the master file, and your country-by-country report as a package and making sure they're telling a consistent story. As long as the OECD and tax jurisdictions around the world are looking towards consistency and transparency, having your form match your substance, it's just going to continue to be important. So... Well, Scott, Anne, you guys have been so wonderful. Thank you for going on this journey with me (laughs) on local files and local documentation around the world. Thanks, Brittany. Yes, thank you. Thanks for joining me on this adventure in transfer pricing. See you next time.